Welcome to church at Briargate. I apologize for my voice. <coughs> We're so glad that you're here this Sunday, and we, um, we welcome everyone here. If this is your first time, please fill out a Connect card and put it in the offering plate or put it <coughs> in the <coughs> basket outside of the church office. Pray for me, y'all. Uh, <coughs> uh, let's go ahead and pray over these uh, offerings, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for today. You thank you for bringing us here, and we pray that you will speak to us and that you will bless this offering to be used for your kingdom, and we glorify you in all that we do and all that we say. Thank you, Lord. And um, watch these uh, video announcements here. Welcome to Church at Briargate. We are excited that you're spending your Sunday morning with us. If this is your first time, please fill out a Connect card found in the back of the seat, put it in the offering plate, or put it in the basket outside of the church office. Here are some events coming up. We have a new life group opportunity for you. Dara Martin will lead Christian Yoga on Mondays starting tomorrow from 6 to 7 p.m. in the large downstairs classroom at church. The class is free. Bring a yoga mat if you have one and a clothes that allow you to move. Sign up with the simple sign up under Life Groups. The Ladies' Luncheon is this Tuesday, February 26th from noon to 1.30 in the foyer. Come join us on your lunch break for a free meal and engaging fellowship. Men's Grillers is this Thursday at 6 p.m. at Pastor Scott's house. Join the men for a time of food, prayer, and fellowship. The Men's Air Force Hockey Game is this Friday, March 1st at 7 p.m. at the Cadet Ice Arena. The Falcons will play Holy Cross. If you are interested in going, please pay $22 to the church office as soon as possible. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. If you have any questions about Church at Briargate, please email office at cabag.org. We will answer your questions or direct your question to the appropriate person. Also, follow us on our website, churchatbriargate.org, and stay connected with us on social media. Have a great week. Hi, my name is Gordon White, and I'm excited to share with you an opportunity, a scholarship opportunity through the church at Briargate. This is uh, the Become Scholarship. It's available for anyone pursuing uh, further education past high school. Um, it's three $1,000 scholarships that we make available every year. And um, this is in honor of my three children, Bruce and Megan and Scott who died in 2017. The information for this, these scholarships is available uh, on the church website at churchatbriargate.org. You can get uh, further information about the scholarships and all the application information. And um, the scholarships are due, uh, the applications are due in March, and then the scholarships are awarded in May. So uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you and, and providing those opportunities uh, for you. Well, good morning. So a few, a few uh, things I want to talk about real quick. Uh, Jerry and Nur are going to be headed to um, India here this next month coming up. Uh, to see our guys there, to uh, check out what's going on. They've got the building all finished, everything's done, except that top floor. Um, the gate's going in. I, I, in fact, I talked with the guys this week. We're putting the final gate in before the, the, our guys get there. And, uh, and they're going to be able to um, uh, uh, potentially, we're, look, we're, we're looking at this still, but potentially be able to buy a motorcycle for the guys when they get there so that they can have transportation. So any of those things that you want to uh, be involved with, we still want to encourage you to do that. We're, we're, we need money for the uh, top floor and, uh, and, and probably that motorcycle too uh, with that. So just, just to keep you updated on what's going on, how we're doing this, I'm, I'm excited I'm not going with them. I, I'm, I'm excited that they're going. I wish I was going with them. I'm not excited that I'm not going with them. But uh, it's, it's just a great opportunity. It's a fun time when you're there. It's the, the guys are so... Uh, real, genuine, all that stuff. Um, continue to, to uh, pray for, I mentioned this last week, continue to pray for Santosh. His father is, is uh, still very sick. Um, he is, he's gone to try to take care of him. He was basically uh, completely incapacitated. 
but he's doing a little bit better uh, with all of that now. And continue to pray for Pastor Shelby. And uh, we do thank Grant for stepping in. And, and uh, my wife was telling me last night, you know, I could lead worship. I could sit in a chair and lead worship. And, and, uh, and, and I, think, I think Shelby's actually thinking like that. I know she's getting stir crazy at her house. But, uh, you know, if, if, if these ladies wouldn't be having surgeries, we wouldn't have a problem with this stuff. But, uh, but definitely be praying for them and, uh, and uh, praying for Grant as, as, a, um, as an 18-year-old. We've just thrown him in there and said, okay, you can do this. Do it. And uh, he's doing a fine job. So um, I, I also wanted to uh, take just a minute here and uh, talk, uh, give uh, Keith King an opportunity to talk about something here. I don't know which one this is, but um, this is the House Bill 1032 that we've been talking about. The, um, the, the House has passed 1032, and now it's going to the Senate. And, uh, and so we want to give uh, Keith an opportunity. And I, I think you guys know uh, Keith's heart and his passion with this, and the fact that he was a senator in our state for, for quite a while um, this is just a big deal for us. So, Keith, go ahead. Well, I just want to share a couple of things with you this morning. I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning trying to figure out what to do with this issue. I have a petition that I wrote up that's on, on the tables back there about this issue. I've been involved in, this, in, in, in the charter school industry probably for about 28, 29 years in Colorado from starting Shine Mountain Charter Academy to doing all kinds of things throughout the state, probably carrying more legislation than anybody else in the state of Colorado on this issue. Well, I know I have. So, but the issue is not about what we want to tell our kids. It's about what should our kids be able to hear and what should we be able to say we don't want them to hear. And 1032 is about the opportunity for charter schools to have an opportunity to give waivers. They can waive statute, and they can waive that statute, and they say they don't have to do it. This is something that is, uh, I was talking to Bob Schaefer yesterday, former congressman, and he's in uh, Fort Collins. He said, well, we tried to get a waiver from the board. They voted nine to two against it. Well, I says, we're gonna try and change that vote. So this week is a League of Charter School meeting at uh, uh, Denver. And so I'm gonna work to try and get Nancy Todd, who's carrying this bill to uh, see, see if she'll get a waiver. I'm gonna try and get the board to get, ask for a waiver. We're gonna try and uh, commit to Jared, give Jared Pulse a chance to support that also. So this is, not, this is not an easy hill, but it's something that we've been called to and it's something that we are supposed to do. Jim and uh, his Sunday morning classes we've been talking about to do, to have, or to be. And I got up at five this morning, looked at that, and I thought, well, I know what I'm supposed to have, what I'm supposed to do, and what I'm supposed to be this week. I'm supposed to be a spokesman for God's people to have a chance to say, we want a waiver. If we want a waiver, we want to step out. So this waiver, this is petition, is back there in the back. And it talks about that. It also has a waiver on it. I'd appreciate every one of you signing. We're trying to get this signed. And I'm meeting tomorrow with the director of the Colorado League of Charter Schools, Ward Ben Lundquist, which I know well, Dan Schaefer, who I know well, the legislative legals. And I'm going to ask for the president of the board to be there, and I'm going to ask him for a special meeting at the Colorado League of Charter School Convention to give us a waiver. And so I'm going to ask for that to happen and see what we can do. But I want you to do a favor for me. I have a special scripture I always like to read. And if you turn with me to uh, Psalms 71, 14 through 18. The people who have known me for a long time know this scripture. They should know it by heart. I, I, I do everything in my life around this scripture. And this morning when we were singing about Jesus Christ, our hope, uh, it just this all came, to, came together for me. It says in Psalm 71, 14, but as for me, I will always have hope. Always have hope. We can always have hope. You know, this looks like, like an insurmountable task. We have everybody, this is lined up against us. We have, a, we have a gay governor, we have gay control of the Democrats, but we have an opportunity to still have a waiver. And so we're going to fight and have this. We can always have hope. We can always have hope. We can always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell your righteousness of your salvation all day long, for I know that it's major. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, his mighty acts, not ours, his. He's going to do a mighty act this week. He's going to do a mighty act. Oh, sovereign Lord, I will proclaim your righteousness yours alone. Since my youth, O oh God, you have taught me into this day how to declare your marvelous deeds. When I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O oh God, to declare your power to the next generation, your might to all are to come. Well, yesterday I had my grandkids, well, Sandy had, she's grandy, 
And we had the grandkids over yesterday, yesterday and the night before. So Ellie loves to do dressings, and so we had to play store. So yesterday we went in a, uh, in a closet, and she picked out my, my uniform, my outfit for today. This is what she picked out for me. So Ellie is going to the classical academy, and I always have hope for her. That's the next generation. That's the next generation to come. And Ellie is a person who would like to have not have, she doesn't need to hear this stuff. She doesn't need to know about this stuff at all, about homosexuality, all the stuff that's being taught. And so we hope to protect her and all the other kids that are going to charter schools. They have an opportunity. Let's give them an opportunity for a waiver. Let's give them a chance to say, we do not have to listen to this. And we have, we have this stack, the decks are stacked against us. They are really stacked against us. But I'm believing God this week, we're going to see a mighty miracle of God. We're going to see something happen that will be really mighty. And so if you would sign this uh, petition for me, and if you have other people that would know about it, we'll, we'll probably have a meeting, on, on, hopefully on Thursday or Friday uh, this week, where I can get the league, if they would have a meeting, and to change and at least give us a waiver. So I thank you for your time. God bless you. Have a good one. Why don't, uh, why don't we pray about this? In fact, why don't you stand with me? And uh, let's, let's pray about this. This is, this is not a physical fight we're fighting. If you think this is a political fight or a physical fight, you've been duped. You've been deceived. This is not political. This is spiritual. And, uh, and Satan's messing with us. And he's winning right now. But it uh, doesn't have to be that way. And so, so let's pray. God, we commit this to you right now. Lord, we take spiritual authority over this thing. We take authority over this from the, from the Congress to the, to the Senate. We take authority over this thing. And in the name of Jesus, we rebuke what Satan is trying to do. We stand against it. And we declare your, your will, Lord God, your laws, your morality in the name of Jesus. You're the king, Lord. You're the ruler. You're a God over everything. So, God, we declare you over this. Have your way, Lord God. Break down strongholds. Break down evil and darkness. And God, have your way. For our children, Lord, we ask you to cover them with your blood. Protect them from this, this junk. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated if you like. The, the petition that he has out on the table has four blanks at the bottom. That's for four different names. Um, you can sign your name in there, write it in there, however, however you like that. Um, Keith, also, it has your website on the bottom of the paper. Um, can they find this petition on your website? Okay. All right. Hopefully it'll be on there soon. So if you're telling friends or coworkers or something, they can go there and, and find it. I think that would be beneficial. You know, um, I, I, I was thinking about things like, you know, the church needs to stand up and these kind of things in these kind of moments. And I, and I don't think it's the fact that the church isn't standing up. I think one of the things that happens in these moments well, well, it happens, it's not a moment, it's just the way um, the church is about this stuff. When you allow the blood of Jesus to change you and save you, and he changes your mindset, he changes your thinking, and what happens is you begin to believe that, there, that people really won't do something this bad. You begin to assume that there really is, that when somebody gets voted into a position or an office or they're a leader in the community or something, you assume, you have this you put them in the same kind of basic mentality and camp that you're in. In other words, people don't literally think like this. But, but I know this is probably going to cause me a lot of friends uh, when I say this, but what you have to realize is there are actually evil people out there. And there are dark, perverted things going on in people's lives and their minds. And I heard a psychologist say this one time, and it has stuck with me for years, that a lot of the times, not in all circumstances, obviously, there are very good elected people in office, but oftentimes, the type of personality it takes to go through the rigmarole that it takes to get elected means that there can be a high level of narcissism and that there's some instability, instability mentally, emotionally, and things like that. And these people are... are um, broken, abused, messed up people that get voted into positions of, of narcissism and then they want to inflict this pain on other people. And that's what we're seeing. Guys, you cannot tell me that a, that a sane, morally good person can have anything to do with this bill. 
You cannot convince me. I know that some of the people behind her are saying they're Christians and stuff. You cannot convince me that Christians can get behind this bill. This is perversion. This is evil. This is demonic perversion that's trying to infiltrate our children. And, and I believe that, that, that people that get involved with these kind of things, they have problems. And I, I'll even go so far as to say I think they've been messed up and there's some kind of perverted mess up that they want to do with kids. I don't know how to say that any differently. But that's what's going on here. Same people don't do this to kids unless they're freaks. And there's something wrong with this. And so we've got to pray against it. So we've got to stand against this stuff. This is, this is craziness. This, this is absolute craziness, which, which, which lets you realize why people choose things like homeschooling and things like this. I know sometimes homeschooling gets picked on, but which would you rather have? This is... This is something that, that is interesting. I've talked to a lot of people who've done homeschool. We have a group that meets in our church once a week that, that are homeschool group, about 50 or 60 people. And we've talked about this. These, these people don't think they're smarter than school teachers. They don't think they're better at this than school teachers. But they know that school teachers, public school teachers, have been handcuffed. And they have to do things that parents don't have to. And it's their children that they're... That they're Worried about it's not the school system. Who cares about a school system? Who cares about a school system? These are our kids. The whole school system can fall to the ground. Who cares? It's the morality of our kids. That's those are two different subjects. And so somewhere, somewhere we we're, you're going to have to be making decisions. That's why, that's why if this, this has got to happen for charter schools, which, by the way, charter schools will be filling up instantly because of this stuff. And, and for you guys that are public school teachers, I know we've got a handful in our church. Guys, I'm sorry you're going to have to deal with this, but you are going to have to. You're going to have to figure out, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is, this is not easy stuff. Okay, so I'm actually talking about the family this morning. So uh, thank you, Keith. Good segue for me. Set me up nicely with all of this. Um, I am talking about the family. I'm going to talk about some things that, that, um, I'm going to talk about some basic things, but I also want you to think a little uh, differently with me. And this, this does set the stage for, for, um, for family and how God looks at family and all these kind of things. And again, some of the stuff that, that, that I need to say this morning, even when I was growing up in school, these things weren't the same mentality, same subjects. We, we weren't seeing some of the same um, demarcations that says, you know, you think this way or you think this way. And, and, uh, and so looking at this, we're going to look at functional family. <clears throat> what does it mean to be a functional family? Here's something that I realized over years. <clears throat> there really is no such thing. Um, there's high levels of dysfunctionality in all of us and in all of our families. And the only thing you have to do is look at somebody else's family and you're like, that is just strange. They're bizarre people, you know. And then they look at your family and they think, wow, you're weird, you're strange, all these other kind of things. Um, it, interestingly, though, really what it is is God has made us all unique and different. It's, 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 um, functional is a very relative word. I think you can have extreme good functional family when others may not define it that way. Okay, they just don't. Um, and specifically in society today, how society defines functional is, is, is becoming crazy. In fact, part of this house bill that we've been talking about is taking the power away from the family and saying the parents have no right to, de- to decide the parents are the ones being prejudiced against a child if they lock them into a gender, you know, the one they were born with. And so even how we're defining functional and dysfunctional and stuff like that, and, and again, I, I've said this before, I do very strongly believe in, in counseling for families and for marriage and stuff like that. I believe that. But guys, please listen to this. Make sure they're a Christian counselor because the craziness that's going on right now the craziness in our society, if they're not a Christian counselor, it's almost a guarantee at some level they've bought into the goofiness. Because you can't get degrees nowadays without being, being inundated. It's being pushed, pushed, pushed. We're even seeing that in the, in the Christian university that I sit on the board in in Texas. We're seeing some of this stuff trying to be infiltrated into Christian universities. Same kind of stuff. That you have to teach this, you have to teach this, you have to do this, or they won't let the accreditation won't let you have degrees. And so, what does it mean to be a, a, a family? What does it mean to be a functional family? What does it mean to 
to, to do this with kids that are little, kids that are teenagers, kids that are adults, kids that are older adults? How do you, how do you deal with functional family as, as adults become um, older and, um, and, you, and you're taking care of parents? All of the different layers and levels of life and, and what does this look like? And so I, I want to I start by saying two things and then we'll jump in. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. But there was two things that, uh, that I got to thinking about when it comes to the way we look at stuff, when it comes to family and how society is, uh, has been changing this for so long, we don't even realize some of this stuff, okay? Um, I, I was watching a video this last week that I, I wonder sometimes when I hear things and I see things and I think a certain way, does anybody else think this way? I, I wonder about that, and it's not like I can immediately take a petition across the board, and I hate asking questions like that on Facebook, and I hate when you do, and so I, I don't do it that way. But I heard a little video clip from a guy named Dennis Prager, and I, I really respect Dennis Prager. He's a, he's a great man. He's a Jewish guy, but we won't hold that against him. Uh, really good guy, thought, a real thinker, um, those kind of things. So... Um, he, he, he got very close to the way I look at this, and so I, I want to bring this out this morning, having to do with, with family, the way we look at family, and some of these kind of things. Uh, President Trump, in his, in his State of the Union address, which I thought was absolutely amazing, I, I think there was some defining moments in there that were, to me, very Reagan-esque, and Reagan, that nobody's even come close to Reagan since Reagan was alive, and... and um, but when, when Trump stood up and said, we will not be a socialist country, it's about time somebody said something at the, at, the, at the national level. Finally, thank you. We're not a socialist country, and we don't want to be Venezuela. We don't. So um, Trump then said something that really bothered me, but it seemed like everybody else liked it. Both sides, Democrats, Republicans, everybody's cheering, commentators. I've heard people afterwards on Facebook say stuff about it. I did not like the statement. Trump said this. He said, we can all be proud that more women are working than ever before. Now, before you think I'm a misogynist or some kind of chauvinist pig or something, I want you to really think about what he said. I'm not proud of that. Why would I be proud that more women are working now than ever before? You say, because you don't want women to work. It has nothing to do with it. I meet with, talk with, and counsel with women regularly that don't want to work, but their husbands left them, and they're supporting three kids, and so they're working at the restaurant until midnight at night every single night trying to take care of some kids. Nobody actually asked that woman if she wants to work. She just has to work. So is it a good thing that more women in our country are working now than ever before? See, here's the reality. Wouldn't it have been a better statement that, we could have, that Trump could have said, it, it, we could all be proud that more women have the opportunity to work if they so choose. Right? So here's the deal that I, I struggle with this. I think, see, to me, that's actually a socialist statement. Even though Trump's definitely anti-socialist. That's a socialist statement. All women working. Do we really want all women working? I'm not saying me. I, I have nothing to say. I don't care. Women work, don't work, whatever. But part of the problem that we have in our society today is we have bought into certain things that I don't think are, are necessarily positive, beneficial, or healthy for our country. And that is that we have to have a certain kind of car, certain kind of house, certain kind of income, certain kind of lifestyle, right? That locks families in to certain things. Now, I talked about this before. Lynn and I grew up, we thought it was very similar households, but they're not. They're not, they're not actually close at all. Both my parents were very hard workers, educators, good people, Worked all the time. Uh, me and my brother raised ourselves. My sister came along much later. We, we adopted her. She's quite a bit younger than I am. And, um, but me and my brother basically raised ourselves. My parents were never there. And, and my brother, he's, he's living with us now. We were sitting around the table last night and talking, and, and uh, my son and his girlfriend were there. And, and the, my brother began to tell stories of when we were kids. 
And I've, I've told some of these stories to my children before. But finally, my son says, Dad, you were, you were like a hoodlum. Because we, I mean, we'd break into things. We would steal stuff. We were get arrested. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, and as simply as I can say this, this is, this is the foundation of this. I heard a, a, a minister say this when I was in my early 20s. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. I grew up in a very strict household, but there was no relationship. Zero relationship with my parents. It was Those were the two people that were in charge of us. That was literally the way it was for me. In my it's, it, to, to, some ex, to a great extent, it still is that way. Those were the two people that sired me. I mean, that was the extent of it for me emotionally connecting and all that kind of stuff. But we had a lot of rules, very strict. It, that breeds rebellion. And then when the parents are not there, that breeds rebellion. Now, I'm not trying to say it wasn't my fault or whatever. I was a punk. I'm not trying to say anything different. But Linda grew up in a completely different mentality. Her mother was home every single day. When she got in from school, her mother was there. Now you say, well, yeah, I guess because her parents made so much, her dad made so much money that they could afford to do that. Mm-mm. Her dad was a pastor. He made no money. I saw the house that she lived in until she was about 16 or 17. And then her dad built a brand new, very nice house that her grandfather paid for. She lived in a rat hole. But her mom was there. We had all the nice cars. We had a house with a swimming pool. We had everything as a family. But my parents were never there. Emily said to me a year and a half, two years ago or something, right about the time she was graduating high school, I said, what do you want to do? I was was wanting her to go down to Texas. She's there now, but she didn't want to go and go to university and all this stuff. And and I kept saying, what do you want to do with your life? How can we help you with all these different kind of things? And she, she ended up going to Pikes Peak, really enjoyed her time there. But um, she didn't know. She didn't know. Finally, she's sitting there one night, a bit, literally in tears, I mean, trying to figure out what is she going to do with her life, all this stuff. And her and Linda were talking, and we're eating dinner, and I'm just listening. And finally, she said, okay, let me tell you what I want to do. She said, I want to grow up and be a mother and a wife and just serve God and raise my kids. And I told her, I said, Emily, let me tell you something right up front. First, I'm going to be proud of whatever you want to do. But the fact that you've said that, said you have to understand, society is going to attack you for that mentality. Society doesn't respect that in today's society. You're considered less because you don't become part of the corporate world. And and I told her, I said, if you become part of the corporate world, I'll I'll respect that, I'll support that. I'll support whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, if you decide I just want to be a mom. It's the greatest calling on the planet first. And secondly, society has already begun and is getting worse and worse. They will attack you for this. And then there will be some mothers that have chosen a different path because, not all, but some that have chosen a different path because they want a nicer car and a nicer house and they're going to be jealous of you and they're going to not like you for it. You need to know that going in. That you are going to be, and it's going to be worse in 10 years, you're going to be considered some kind of pariah in today's society. Because how dare you just give in to the, to the man? How dare you let uh, the, the, the paternal society that we've built control you? That's sad. That's sad because what's happened is is we've said to young ladies, you don't have a choice. You don't get to choose that. Oh, you can choose to murder your baby, but you can't choose to raise them. You don't have real choices. And the idea of this, my, my, my son and daughter-in-law are trying to figure this out right now. Do they have another child? My son wants a truck. That's the, that's the discussion. I want a new truck. If we have a child... Well, I can't. And Linda and I were talking to him the other day, and finally Linda just said, Jonathan, when you were a little boy, we had one vehicle, and that thing barely held together. But, but I wanted to stay home with you. 
And I lived in a rat hole house. Because why? If Linda would have gone out and got a job and we'd have put the kids in daycare, what, we could have had a nice house and cars and everything. And I'm not saying it's wrong if you choose that. I'm not. But what I am saying is society is making the choice for you. That's the problem. Society's telling you raising your children and making sure that that's your priority is a bad thing. What is functional? What is dysfunctional? I believe that a lot of what society is presenting today is dysfunctional. And then they look at you and they say, you are the one that's dysfunctional. Because you care about certain things. Because you put certain things at priorities. But I didn't let my kids go to school dances. I, I, it's, it has nothing to do with dancing. Dancing's cool. You should try, anybody want to show us right now? Anybody? <laughs> dancing is great. It's cool. It's fun. There's nothing evil about dancing. Some dancing. But here's the thing. I know that 14-year-old kids don't need to be rubbing their bodies all over each other. That's why. I know what happens to bodies when you do that. That's why. My kids never understood it. I got a text this week. My son, children's pastor, is at an event with kids, and it was a, uh, it was a dancing competition for little kids. And, and uh, my daughter-in-law is texting me all the things my son is saying. He said, oh, my daughter is not doing this. There are way too many hips involved. She's not even a year old. All of a sudden, he's changed his thinking. Why? Because he has a daughter. Right? All of a sudden you think different. Because we know God has put it within us. There are rights and wrongs and things that are healthy and things that are not healthy. When you as a family choose certain things, you will be considered weirdos. You'll be considered bigots. You'll be considered homophobes. You'll be considered closed-minded, fundamentalist, all this other stuff. Ephesians chapter 6, I want to show you this. The very first thing in family is we've got to put God first. Guys, you cannot compromise on that. You've got to put God first in everything. When you're talking about school stuff, talk about God. When you're talking about relationship, dating, talk about God. When you're talking about how, how finances work, talk about God. Put God first in everything. You can't compromise on that, and it's becoming worse and worse. Now, I grew up in the church, but we didn't talk about God at home. We didn't. We didn't pray together. We didn't do devotions. We didn't, we didn't do any of that stuff. We just went to church. Now, we were at church every time the doors were open. But we didn't talk about God. Guys, you've got to be talking about God. You've got to be praying together. You've got to put God first and everything. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 4, because this basically sets, the, sets a stage for, for family all across the board. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Why, why do your children need to obey you? Because it's the right thing to do. Not, not because you've you built some kind of idea that they need to be what Because obedience is right. Discipline your kids. My, my, again, my son, this is a couple weeks ago. So my granddaughter is nine months old. And uh, she, she did something, and she, he, he said she looked right at him and just screamed and, like, you know, got mad kind of thing. And he realized this is the first time. He, he realized she is screaming at him, mad at him. So he just picked her up and popped her on the rear. She got a big diaper on. It didn't affect her unless there was something in there. Maybe he reconstituted it. But, but um, my daughter-in-law, she said later, she said, when he did that, it just irritated at me and him. How dare you? But then she realized, no, that's good. Let me tell you something. When you can figure that out when they're that age, you don't have to do as much when they're 10. You just don't. And, and parents nowadays, they wait till kids are two or three or four before they start disciplining. I'm telling you, you've lost it. That kid's bound for prison. All right, so. <laughs> honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have long life on earth. You realize those are directly spiritually connected. We don't think they are, but they are. Your, your tenure on this planet 
is directly related to how you treat, think, and, and interact with your parents. And, and I, somebody very recently said to me, but yeah, what if your parents are whatever? Okay, that doesn't matter. Honor your parents. doesn't mean you have to do what they say or whatever. I mean, it, you know, there's in the house, yes, out of the house. Okay. But honor them. You, you know what that means in here, okay? Honor them. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This has always been a big deal for me. I do not, I do not provoke my kids to anger. I don't provoke them to wrath. Now, this is one thing. Let me, let me throw this out here because this does come up sometimes. Um, my personality and the fact that I, I display it openly, publicly like this and from the pulpit brings uh, criticism from people. I've always had criticism about how the way I treat my kids. I've always had criticism from people because of two basic things. You don't really know who I am in my family dynamic. You don't. If you were there and around, you would understand. Only thing you have to do is interview my kids. Ask my kids. I've had people say, oh, you're mean to them. You do all this. No. Ask my kids. And they're adults now. They don't have a reason to say that. Ask my kids. I don't treat them like other parents treat them. I don't coddle my kids. I have a good time. I harass them. They harass me. But here's another one. I say this as politely as I can. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care. I don't care if you think I discipline my kids well or not. I don't care. I don't care if you think I talk to them right or not. I don't care. Now, here's the thing for me, my, uh, my advice to you in this. Don't care about what people think. Do what God tells you to do and do what, who you are. Your personality is unique. Do that. Don't try to be Ward Cleaver if you're not. Some of you are like, who? <laughs> if, you're, if that's not who you are, don't be that. You know, one of the shows that changed my thinking, I, I was a teenager when this show came out, and I thought, finally, was the Cosby show. Now, I know we're not allowed to say anything nice about Bill now, but the Cosby show, when that came out, it changed my thinking. Because that kind of parenting was not acceptable when that show came out. He razzed his kids. He gave them a hard time. He, 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 he made them jump through hoops and do stuff, and he was funny at their expense. That, that wasn't okay, and I still get treated horribly for that sometimes. Guys, don't care what other people think about how you parent. Do what God tells you. Do the right thing according to you. Okay, and, and, and as nice as you can say it, tell everybody to go jump off a cliff. And the more that this is becoming an issue in our society, the more you're going to have to be um, serious with who you are in God, not who society says you are. Okay? You be who you are in this. Three basic things that we have to get across when it comes to parenting. Three ba- and this, this is not age-specific. It's not kids in the house. Or out, it's everything. Okay? Three basic things. Connection, communication, and correction. That never stops. Okay, so let me go over each one of these. Um, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 3, but we're going to have some kids help us out with uh, some of this. We're going we're gonna to look at connection first, relationship connection, all those kind of things. So uh, show the first video. How many of you wish you had another brother or sister? <laughs> Actually, no, I have way too many. You wish you had another brother or sister, Noah? Which one? Either? I want a sister. A sister? Bella? I want a sister, like a younger sister, because my brother is too mean right. to play. And I want a younger sister so I can play with her. Younger sister? What about you? Sister. Another sister. Yes, ma'am. Um, hey, I want brother, like, one brother, and... Like a nice brother as my sister. Okay, a and brother. And I will fight, I wish, for him. A brother, but he has to be nice. Okay, Nate? And give hugs and kisses. Okay, good. Nate, you want a brother or sister? You want a brother, Zoe? Huh? You want a brother or sister or nothing? Nothing? I don't want a brother because I'm the only boy in my house. You are the only boy. Okay, what is marriage? Yes, ma'am. 
like two people like love each other. How do you get married? Uh, like you, you smooch. Like you smooch? Is that how you get married? No, 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 no. How do you get married? Um, first you're older and you get married after you have a carriage and a dress. Okay, a carriage and a dress. And then get makeup on. Is the carriage maybe made out of a pumpkin? Yeah. Why is there a red hat? Right. Noah, how do you get married? Um, you get married by going up somewhere with a bunch of people in really nice clothes and Someone asks you to marry them, and it depends like of how long you guys have been together or something like that. And then you plan where you want your marriage, uh, wedding to be, and then um, you get all dressed up and fancy, and then uh, you walk down the aisle, you say I do, you say I do, and then it goes on. No. And no, first, first you get a. First you get like your boyfriend and girlfriend, and then if you love each other a lot, you get married. Okay. What's the most important thing in marriage? Noah? Um, trusting each other. Trust? Maribel? Knowing you actually love them. Knowing, knowing you love them? And you know they love you. Okay, Ella? Um, love them too, chill them for not. Not to be mean to them. All right. Bella? Love. Love is the most important thing in marriage? What about you guys? What's the most important thing in marriage? You have no clue? <laughs> Nate? You do not know. Mm. Zoe, what's the most important thing in marriage? Smooching? Huh? Smooching? Yes. Yes? <laughs> Noah? Um, knowing who the, knowing who the other person actually is. Knowing who they are? Like their name? No, like their deeper inner self. So getting to know that person. Mm -hmm. Really getting to know them. Okay, how should parents act around children? Bella? Uh, nice but strict. Nice but strict. No? They should be nice and they shouldn't fight and cause arguments. No arguments, no fighting, be nice. So have you guys... Have you ever seen mom and dad kiss? Who's seen mom and dad kiss? Do you, do you like to see mom and dad kiss? No, 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 Nate, do you like to see mom and dad kiss? I have a question. You haven't seen Forever! You guys have parents. Yes. How should you treat your parents? Noah? We should treat them with respect. With respect? What does that mean when you say with respect? Um, uh, like, we shouldn't tease them or call them names or attack them. Okay. Mary Bell? You should always be kind. Kind, Bell? Maybe, like, you should be, like, you should treat them with respect and love. Respect and love? How do you treat somebody with respect and love? Um, <coughs> like, um, like as Noah said, like not calling them names and not like rolling your eyes at them. Okay. Ella, how should you treat your mom? Um, listen what she says. Do what she says? Obey her? Yeah, okay. How should you treat your mom? <laughs> Be nice to them. Okay, Zoe, how should you treat your mom and dad? Like, love them. Love them? How do you do that? By not treating them bad. Okay, how do you not treat them bad? By giving them respect. What are some actual things you should do to show them respect? Kiss them on the cheek. Okay. All right. Treat them 
like you love them very much <coughs> and you want them to be forever. Okay, good idea. What about you? How do you should you treat your mom and dad? Be kind. How do you do that? Just be kind. Genesis chapter 3. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? You've, you, you use, I mean, I use this scripture a lot having to do with missions, having to do with God reaching out to us. But I want you to think about this from the perspective of Father. God's our Father, and his response to Adam and Eve turning literally against everything that he had designed for them and, and ruining society in a general sense, ruining humanity and the planet. This isn't just, you know, they broke the window or something. They messed it up for everybody. And God's response was he came to them. He connected with them. He looked for a relationship with them. He came back to them. That's the example the Father gives us is connection, relationship that he desires this relationship. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us, verse 7, keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your parent, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? The, the answer is no. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Part of our relationship to our children, part of the relationship from children to parent is the, is the connection part. That God has given us the example. He does stuff for us. He does stuff not because he has to, but because he loves us. He's trying to connect. This isn't just doing. You, you, can, you can give too much to kids. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't giving alone. This is showing the relational connection. And when he says that you can keep asking, you can keep seeking, it's because he is, he's there. He is, he is directly there in relationship to us. He wants to connect. It's a connection thing. It's not about the doing. That's part of it. It's connection. It's the relationship. So you have the opportunity as a parent to, to do one of two things. And I know this is a very difficult, challenging thing, is just to spend the time with kids. Uh, 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 it doesn't, age is not specific here. I didn't, I, I didn't realize this was as big of a thing as it was, but um, my daughter-in-law told me, we, we saw him a, a few weeks ago and we took Emily to school, and, and we were walking along and she said, you know, Jonathan really likes it that you call him. I said, what? She said, you call him every day. And I said, I don't know if I call him every day. Okay, I call him every day. But she said he loves that. She's, he told her, he said, it's like me and my dad are just buddies now. And, and he's just talking. And guys, you have no idea what it means just to connect. It doesn't matter what the age is. Two years old. I, I remember sitting, I remember sitting with my daughter and, and making mud pies when she was like two, three years old. I don't, I don't like my hands dirty. But you got to make sacrifices. It's connection. It's just being. When, you're, when you've had a long, hard day at work and things are difficult, or it's not always easy just to come throw that over in the closet emotionally and sit down with the kids. But you got to. And, and as an adult, they want that. You say, well, my kid's 50 years old. Okay, I, I've said this before, Keith has talked about this, the conversation he had with his son at 40 years old, talking about what it means to be a man and a godly man. He shared that for our, our men's breakfast one time. Guys, th that makes a difference. Doesn't matter what age, connection. Okay, let me go on. The second thing is communication. First thing is connection. You've got to connect. You've got to always be connected, looking for ways, looking for ways. I remember my father-in-law talked about that when his father, they, he moved to where they lived, and he would go by, his, his dad wasn't a Christian, any of this stuff, and he would go by, before he went to work every day, he'd go by and have a cup of coffee with his dad. He said, because he's not always going to be here, and by the way, he's not now. He said, I need to have that connection. Okay, so the second one is communication. Let's let the kids help us again with some communication. question I have is, what does communication mean? Um, yes, ma'am. 
The bright sun. Okay. Bella? She, she was a lot of fun, by the way. Talking to each other? What else? Um, like, just chatting about specific things, maybe. Okay. No? Um, the way that you can tell someone something. The way you can tell somebody something? So is so communication is talking to each other? Yeah. Okay. Is there is there something else important about communication? Staying alive and communication is crucial. Yes. Or you have glasses. Glasses? Okay. Or take your eyes or you have blind eyes. From the bright sun. No. No. Like you have glasses. I do have glasses. Yes, ma'am. So we can let out our feelings. It's not good to keep in your feelings. Okay. So communication may be more than just talking. It may involve feelings. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about listening? Is listening part of communication? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You need to be able to listen so you can know what someone else is saying. Okay. So can you do you have communication if you don't have listening? Mm, no. Well, you, you can, can because yeah. you have sign language. So I do. You can't communicate. Well, what do you guys talk about at home? When you're sitting at home with your family, what do you talk about? No? Um, school. School? Yeah. Yes, ma'am? Clouds. Clouds? <laughs> you don't talk about anything? No? What else? Uh, we, we don't really talk about other thing. We just, like, we talk about, like, something we did today or... School? Yeah. Friends? Stuff like that? Yes, ma'am. School, how was your day, and, like... Other things like where do you want to go or things like that. Okay, what about um, <clears throat> what about big subjects? What are some really important subjects that you're talking about? What? So we have to learn um, verse of the Bible each year. So we have to talk about that. You talk about that verse of the Bible? So you have one and then your brother has one and your sister has one. Oh, you all learn the same one and then you talk about that? Yes. Okay, makes sense. So what are some important things that you talk about at home? Life. Life? What? What? Like what? Um, like what's happening, like, what's happening in Russia. What's happening in Russia? Mm -hmm. That's pretty important stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are some important things you talk about, Bella? School and, like, report cards. Report cards. That's pretty important, huh? Okay, so what are some things that your family should not talk about? Ella? Um, the road. The road, okay. No, like that road. That road, over there, got it. Yeah. Noah? Poverty. You should not talk about poverty? Why? Because it's bad. It's bad, so you shouldn't talk about it? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am? Maybe getting divorced. Don't talk about getting divorced, okay. What are some other things you should not talk about as a family? All right, Noah? Torture. Don't talk about torture. Nate? Strangers. Don't talk about strangers. Maybe like bragging, you shouldn't brag. So. You shouldn't brag? Okay. Yes, ma'am? Um, a cloud. A cloud. A cloud? You shouldn't talk about clouds? <laughs> okay, if you could tell... If you could say one thing to your, to your brothers and sisters, if you have brothers and sisters, if you could say one thing to them, what would it be? Yes, ma'am. Maybe, like, I love you. Okay. You want to tell your brother you love him? Well, if he's nice to me. If he's nice. I get that. Yes, Just quick pro yeah, pro. Well, if he gives me candy, I'll say I love him. Okay, so what's something that you want to tell your brother and sister? You like them? Yeah. Okay, Mary Bell? I can't wait to see you again. Okay, Noah? Go back to sleep and starve. Go back to sleep and starve. Okay. <laughs> Me? Thank you. Thank you. That's a good one. Thank you.
If you could tell your mom and dad anything, what would it be? Yes. Um, a check mark. A check mark? Noah? Um, <laughs> you love them? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Mark chapter 10. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arm and he placed his hands on them, on their heads, and he blessed them. I want you to think about this. These kids, don't you think they remembered this moment for their whole life? And the fact that Jesus gets angry at the grown-ups because of the way they were treating the kids. And that sticks with them. And then he puts his hands on their heads and he blessed them. That doesn't mean he said, bless you. Look in, look in Scripture in the Old Testament. What does blessings mean? They were verbalizations of who the kids were and who they were going to be. That was always the case. We started doing this with our kids, and, and it was just a total, I, I still don't know for sure. I, total, I don't understand it totally. I really don't. I've looked in the Scripture. I've studied this as best as I can, but there are some things that are missing. I don't know for sure what the, the spiritual dynamic behind it is exactly, but when the parents blessed their kids and sent them out, um, there was, those things happened. They happened. And so we started doing this with, with uh, right when we moved here, Jonathan had just graduated and was going to college, and we did it with him. We sat down as a whole family, and we blessed Jonathan, and I blessed him as a father, and we prayed over him, and we sent him off to school. We'd done that with all our kids. We did it with Emily um, just a, 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 a month or two ago. I don't totally understand it, but I do know there's spiritual dynamic to it. And, and apparently, and I'm saying this as a father, as the male, okay, I have the ability to spiritually speak things into my kids' lives, and it happens. That's what Scripture shows us. I don't know exactly how. I don't know the extent of it. But when Jacob and Esau were being, were being blessed by Isaac, um, Jacob tricked and got the blessing of Esau. And when Esau came in, Jake, uh, Isaac said, I, I've, already blessed, I've already handed it out. Apparently, it's a real tangible thing. He couldn't recreate it. I don't, ex- I don't understand that. But it tells me that there's weight to this that goes beyond what we think. That Jesus told these kids who they were and who they were in him. So what do you want your family to know? What do you want your kids to know? What do you want your parents to know? What do you, what do you, I have, I've heard this a, a thousand times if I heard it once. From people that said, after so-and-so dies, I wish I would have said. Well, don't wish it. Say it. Just say it. Tell them. You got grown kids? Pick up the phone today. You got little kids in the house? Sit down with them today. You got parents that you hadn't said things to? Pick up the phone today and say it. Just say it. It's not going to kill you. Say it. Tell them. Follow Nate's advice. Tell them they're cool. Tell them they're awesome. Tell them thank you. You really think, you've got elderly parents, you really think, you pick up the phone today and just say, hey, I just wanted to call to tell you I love you and thank you for being my parent. You think they're going to go, what kind of freak is this, and hang it up? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Right? Just say it. Oh, I'm out of time. Okay, let me read the last scripture. We're going to forego the last video. Oh. Okay, we'll watch it. This is for correction. This is actually the shortest one, so we're good. This is for correction. Go ahead. Who's the, the stronger disciplinarian in your house? Who gets, who gets on to you the most, mom or dad? Um, um, both, but my dad mostly gets all the discipline. My mom usually like, points it out. So. She points it out? Yeah. And then your dad brings the heavy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Marybelle? My stepdad. Your stepdad does the disciplining? Mostly? Mostly uh, before, um, whenever we lived with him. Okay. He kind of still does. So. Kind of still does? Nate? Dad. Dad does the most discipline in your house? Is that right, Zoe? Yep. 
Okay. What about you? Who does the most discipline? Who gets on to you the most? Who do you get in trouble by the most? Mom? So if you're going to get grounded or something, who does that? Mom or dad? Mom. Is So mom's the mean one in your house? My dad looks scarier, but my mom's the meanest. Your dad looks scarier, but your mom's the scariest. No, meanest. Meanest. Oh, meanest. Okay, my bad. Noah? My brother. Your brother does the most discipline? Oh, he's mean. He's the meanest. But who does the most discipline in your house? It's a tie between your mom and dad. <laughs> I'm not showing some of these answers, by the way. Allison asked me a couple, and she said, we shouldn't let this one get to air. I said, no, we shouldn't let that. Hebrews chapter 12, you've forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. That's a great way to say that, isn't it? Don't give up when he corrects you. Sometimes you just want to say, ah. As I've seen so many times over the years when somebody really, somebody cares about somebody else, and they speak something into their life, and that person's reaction is to walk away, to, to move on, to pretend it didn't happen, just to resist that. Guys, that's not healthy. Okay. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one as he accept, each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and, and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. You understand that a father's role in a child, parent's role in a child in the house is discipline, and that's part of correction. As a child leaves, correction needs to still be part of their life. It's just no longer discipline. You see the difference? You correct your children no matter how old they are. They need it. They want it. Sometimes. But as they get older, they'll look for it more. But not discipline. You don't discipline a 50-year-old kid. But you correct a 50-year-old kid. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. The best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share His holiness. Now, discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It isn't enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest, a right living for those who are trained in this way. I, um, <clears throat> I, I, I want us to pray about this. And this is, this is part of the reason I'm saying some of this. Is these basic things, connection, um, communication, and correction... This is becoming more and more important to us as a society. As Christians in the society, we've got to learn to do this. And you understand that some of the things that you're going to do as a family are going to be looked at poorly in society. All right? When you, when you're, when you tell your child, and you should, when you tear, tell your daughter, no, you are a girl, that's the way God made you. When you tell your son, no, you are a boy, that's the way God made you. You will be attacked for that at school now. You will be. But you've got to do these things. You've got to know that's correction. That's healthy correction. You've got to be loving these kids and caring for them and talking about this stuff. I said this three or four months ago on a Wednesday night. I was talking about kids. Kids nowadays know more sexually than you knew at, at half the age. Say that the right way. I don't know if I said and so some parents, two different groups of parents in our church came to me and said, okay, my, my son, my daughter's in third grade or fourth grade. Should I be talking to him about sexuality? You better. <clears throat> I didn't need that when I was in second and third grade. But you better because they're already learning it and it's actually being taught now in school. And it's being improperly taught. And so you need to be having these conversations. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And then just connect, connect with them. Okay, I, I've already talked too long. So let's pray. And um, <clears throat> let's pray for families across the board, old, young, blended, disconnected, 
localize, all kinds of things. Let's pray for families. Start with your family. Pray for the family in, beside you. Pray for the family down the street. We need to pray for our families. Okay, God, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, as a parent, my heart is so heavy with what's happening in society. For my kids, but also for my granddaughter. Lord, we need to be healthy families in you. Lord, I rebuke the mentality that we need to be healthy families according to society. Lord, we need to be healthy families in your word. We need to be healthy families talking together and praying together and interacting together and talking about you and bringing you to the conversation. Lord, help us. We desperately need this. We need your help. Help us. God, I pray specifically for our young families with the little ones. Lord, they have such a heavy, they've got a heavy pull ahead of them. But I know that your grace is amazing. Your mercy is huge. God, you give wisdom. You'll guide them. You'll lead them. Help them to make the decisions themselves in you. Not what society's saying, but themselves in you. God, I pray for the older uh, parents around this room, that they would be there for the younger parents. These young parents need it, even if they don't totally know it or, or how to verbalize it. Lord, I pray that the older, older parents will be there for the younger ones. Lord, we know that's what your word says. And so God, help us. And I pray for Church of Briar Gate. And I pray for churches all through this community, all through our state. Lord, help us to, to, to raise up healthy families. In Jesus' name. And God, we pray for our kids. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please <clears throat> go outside and uh, sign this. They're on the table out there. There's stacks of them. Just put one name on one blank and uh, fill out as many of these as you can. And Keith's out there. You can ask him questions, talk to him about it. And uh, let's pray for our state. Let's pray for our families. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck. Tell them how glad that you are that they're here. And thank you for being patient. We'll see you Wednesday night.